title of my message this morning is borrowed from Brother Howard Bean. At least I think that's where I heard it first. Our God is a purse and all. I looked at the uh, Sunday school lesson, actually before I zeroed in on my sermon, and really didn't realize how closely they are connected together. And one of Dwight's last comments before he left the pulpit up here was he used the word give. This morning I want to talk about if you remember back to two turns ago, I talked about the church, the building, the body, the body of believers. The last time I shared, we talked about the uh, aspect of preaching, uh, all part of our worship service. This morning, I want to talk about another dimension of our worship service, and that was what we just had done uh, very shortly before I, I got up here, and that's the fellowship of giving. And that uh, is displayed in the title there. Our God is a personal God, a personal. He wants all of our uh, being. As I reflected back over my life and childhood, I, this, this is my earliest recollection of, of, of sharing in the offering. And I probably told you about this before, did I? This is my feeble attempt to imitate my mom uh, when we would go to Sunday school class and I was sitting with her and uh, I realized this is a very feeble attempt to imitate her ability to knock that quarter up in the corner of a handkerchief. First of all, I, I was trying to think what was different. Well, first of all, my hands probably aren't as nimble as, and as talented as nodding that coin down in there. And secondly, it was a lady's handkerchief. So it had lace around. It was a little different material. And uh, so maybe it pulled a little tighter. But I can remember probably on more than one occasion uh, it had to be probably preschool class. We didn't lift the church offering collectively as a, in, in, in the worship service or as we were together here, but we had what we call the Sunday school offering. I think some churches still do that today. That offering is lifted while the classes are in their respective classes, and that's the way it was at Red Run Mennonite Church where we attended. And it was not a basket, but it was an envelope, uh, a regular official offering envelope, probably from Pearl Press, I think. And one of the fascinating things I have about it is uh, it had two little hard red washers. And there was a string that went around that. And I, I was always impressed how the superintendent, when he'd come around and pick it out, where the teacher would sometimes do it too, they'd take that little string and they'd seal that envelope up really good and tight. And, uh, but I can remember on more than one occasion not being able to get that coin out in Sunday school class because mom had, you know, she was a, a farm woman and she got that thing knotted tight and probably my little preschool hands just couldn't get that thing untightened. And I don't know for sure which teacher it was, but I know one of the teachers was there was three, uh, three single girls. Uh, we called them the Horning, the Horning girls. That was their last name. They never married. There were three sisters. And Kathleen Horning was, I think, the youngest of the three. And she taught our class many times. And I'm sure there's probably more than one occasion she had to retrieve my offering out of that handkerchief. Well, that's just some memories I had to think about as I thought about uh, my experiences I, as I reflected back on uh, the, the collective uh, sharing uh, in the work of God's kingdom. Turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We maybe don't often think about sharing in the offering as fellowshipping, but that's actually what uh, the Apostle Paul here uses. It's, it's, uh, the, the King James uses the word collection, but if you actually go back to the, the original Greek, 
It would have the idea of, of fellowship. And uh, so when you think about that, you know, we often think of fellowship as more of what we're doing uh, maybe after church or maybe during Sunday school. We're sharing about things we've learned, things we've heard, things we've been taught, uh, experiences. But uh, to think of fellowshipping, the, the offering as a, as a dimension of fellowshipping, uh, puts a little different slant on the importance of it, I think, because we're sharing together in, in the aspect of fellowship, the, the motive, the cause, we're doing it collective, collectively together. And that's what makes it important. And I think it's right. And there's some lessons here. There's some truths and principles we need to pull out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 14. Now concerning, verse 1, Now concerning the collection or the fellowship for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I, also, that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you, when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide even, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timotheus come, See that, it may, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren. But his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all of your things be done with charity. Is there any significance that the Apostle Paul takes off with chapter 16? Uh, as we back up and look at some of the setting of chapter 16 into chapter 15, I think there's a number of things <clears throat> that we can back up and look at in 15 that Paul was teaching them before. Just a couple of verses I want to pick out. Notice verse 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And that's what we're talking about this morning. God being all in all in relation to our finances. God is a personal. God needs to be in control of our lives. Dropping down to verse 49, it says, And as ye have bore the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That, that, in the setting that that's given, and we're talking about the resurrection, that we would someday have a resurrected body. But before we get there, we have the ability to bear the image of God by sharing, by giving in this life. So I don't think there's any injustice done to the scripture to say that verse 49 is also saying that while we are living, while we are functioning, while we are walking in this life, we ought to be bearing the image of God, the image of Christ in our sharing, in our giving. As we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. God wants that from us. Notice verse 58. 
verse 15 is often viewed as the resurrection chapter. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This morning, I don't know what was shared in the offering. I don't, it, it makes no, I shouldn't say it doesn't make any difference to me, but it's secondary. But I can give you the promise of, of verse 58 here that what you shared, God saw and God knows and God will, you will receive the reward of what was shared. It's not, it's not, that's not my responsibility to keep track of what has been shared, but it's God's responsibility. And I can, I can pass that on to you this morning, <clears throat> the promise and, and the, uh, the truthfulness of the fact that God will bless you for what you have shared. It will not be in vain. God will take that, multiply it, use it in whatever way to build his kingdom. God wants us to share. Well, coming then to chapter 16, those are just a few thoughts that I picked out of. There was one verse in chapter 13 that I, I wanted to draw your attention to. Ch uh, chapter 13 is the charity, the love chapter, and I thought it was interesting in verse 3. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And uh, I don't know if you noticed that or not, but... Uh, you know, it talks about sharing in charity, sharing in love. That needs to be the motivating factor. Uh, you know, though we would empty everything I have in the offering basket this morning, and I do it without a heart of love, without a heart of, of Christ's love through my life, through my sharing, it's, it's empty, it's vain, it, it is nothing. But coming then to chapter 16, uh, I talked a little bit about the passing of the offering basket and, and the fellowshipping dimension of it. It's, it's something, it's a concept that we probably don't think about very often. Maybe we ought to think more about it. Uh, you know, fellowshipping is, is the idea of having the same goals. And uh, as I thought about that, I, I thought about, you know, less than, a little better than two weeks ago, I at our business meeting, we, we talked about some of the hard number facts. And I'm not really going to go there this morning, but, uh, you know, I, I hope that's more than just simply hard number facts that we share at a business meeting. Uh, you know, someone has said that you can measure uh, a church's health by their, uh, by their sharing. That could be true. I think it could be true. But uh, I don't think we need to be distracted. Numbers can distract us. We can be Come concerned about you know is it getting bigger i i actually had uh, i went back and looked at some of my past sharing on giving and i don't i didn't have a date on, on on when i shared the last sermon on giving but it's it was probably quite a while and at that time i said that our our sharing as a church had actually doubled from what it had been x number of years before and i don't really know where that is today uh and to me i guess that's secondary but uh, thinking of fellowshipping and sharing, as I looked down over the list of offerings, and I, I hope you, you know, that what I shared at our business meeting is very concise and very short, and I hope you digest that more. And, uh, you know, you look at the offerings, you know, there's a CASP offering. You know, what's the purpose of that? You know what that is? Well, that's, you know, that's where young men give their time and service uh, in exchange for military service. Uh, in place of or uh, in contrast to and I think it's a good outreach and it's it's something we support you know there was a little less than a thousand dollars shared from us as a congregation church and school which is probably 
you know, uh, a third of our budget. You might say, well, that's just, you know, where does that money go? Well, it, it goes for this facility. It goes for Sunday school quarterlies. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's all important things. Uh, you know, it's, it goes for, especially if you think of raising a family, the impact Sunday school quarterlies have, uh, Bible school quarterlies, Bible school uh, books, uh, heat, electric, you know, those are all important things. Uh, below that is another, uh, another gift to another brother in, a, in an adjoining congregation, a sister congregation uh, that was in need. And, uh, you know, then there's Maranatha Bible School. Again, that's a need that's, you know, filling the need of, of meeting spiritual growth of our youth. Again, then there's another one that we look at, and that's our Midwest Medical Aid that we share collectively with a number of different churches. Again, probably very closely a third of our total budget. Uh, then there's Prairie Mission, and I thought of that particularly. That's maybe what got me going down this line somewhat because of the uh, group in Chicago this weekend. You know, that was a little better than 10000 there for the year. Uh, you know, we're not there. All of us are here this morning that are not participating. But it's an outreach of the work of the Lord. And it's our way, it's your way of supporting that work if you are not actively there. Uh, that doesn't say you shouldn't go sometime. It doesn't say I shouldn't go sometime. Then there's another mission. I, on this year, it was United Christian Mission where, uh, I guess Ryan's not here, where Ryan was serving uh, almost $1,500 there. Again, those are all, all things that are outreaches from Prairie Mennonite Church. And again, you know, on paper and black and white, they look kind of like hard numbers. And they look at, but as a treasurer, and I'll say, I was going to use this as a wrap-up, but you know, as a treasurer, I look at that and I try to see the hearts and the hands that have shared that to make it possible. And that I, you know, that I as a treasurer am just a channel through which you can be a participant in, in the broader body of, of Christ in sharing. Uh, and building his kingdom in whatever way. We don't sometimes often know and see the full uh, effect of, of, of what we have shared and, and what is accomplished. And, uh, you know, sometimes sharing those numbers is just a way to keep you connected so that you know. And it's accountability, too. And that's uh, another important aspect of uh, church sharing. number of things here in chapter 16 that I, I think Paul brings out and, and they all begin with the letter P, and I think it's important. Notice in verse 1, it says the purpose of our sharing should be for the saints. That's the purpose. Not because of the numbers we can put on the board or because of who I am or, or whatever, but the purpose is for the blessing of the saints. The purpose is for the blessing of the building of God's kingdom. It's a channel through which God can use you to... Uh, Concerning the collection for the saints, that's the purpose of it. Verse 2 talks about the period. He says, upon the first day of the week. That's Sunday. That's today. I think it's appropriate that we lift an offering and share in the Lord's work on this day, the first day of the week. Uh, verse 2 also talks about the place. Let him, let every one of you lay aside by him in store as God hath prospered, that there be no gatherings. I believe it's appropriate that that sharing is done on a congregational level. It could be done individually, and and it could be all right. But I, I believe scripturally, I believe it's advisable, and I believe it's God's intent that it's, it's shared as a dimension of fellowship uh, to avoid a spirit of individuality, I guess. That would be the only danger I see in sharing individually. And it can be done anonymously. Uh, 
but I think it needs to be done with care. Talks about verse two. Talks about the participants. Let every one of you. It doesn't say just those. Uh, I believe every one of us has been blessed, as God hath prospered. We need to be willing and ready to share. Let every one of you. I don't see that as an exception for for anyone. Uh, verse two talks about the proportion. How do I share? Again, it's as God has prospered. And then dropping down to verse fourteen. It talks about the, the provocation, the thing that ought to move us to share. And I already mentioned that. And that's the last word there in verse 14. Charity, our love for the cause of God's kingdom, ought to be the motivating factor to, to us sharing in the offering. The provocation. So we have the purpose, we have the period, we have the place, we have the participants, we have the proportions, and then we have the provocation. And... Uh, very concise, Paul is, is, is addressing the issue, and he's, letting, he's up front, he's letting them know what's expected, and uh, there'll be blessing, if I believe, in our congregation, if we follow these steps in our giving and our sharing. Going to another experience in the ministry of our Lord, Mark chapter 12, I'd like to read Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. This is Jesus speaking here. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a fathering. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say, unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they, for all they did cast in of their abundance, but of she of her want did she cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now I'm not going to, Jesus could do that. Jesus, the all-knowing God, part of the Godhead, could do that. And he commends this poor widow and, uh, I think we this little story has fascinated me for a long time. It's been mentioned many times throughout history. And again, I'm mentioning here today. Uh, Jesus, of course, commends his widow in her sharing. Uh, there's a number of things we can learn. First of all, you know, as I only see one side of your sharing, if that. And uh, it's more important to be concerned about Jesus, God, who actually sees on both sides of that sharing. And uh, I was challenged as I thought about Jesus as he clearly, that's the second thing, I, you know, God clearly views our sharing in a different dimension than we as humans do. You know, the disciples, Jesus, this widow coming and casting in her two mites caught his attention. And he drew it to the disciples' attention. And I draw it to your attention this morning that the sharing is not always the way the numbers appear, but it's, 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 it's what has happened in the heart of the one that has shared. Jesus' father in Matthew chapter 6 
In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus further says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. We certainly don't want to, and I don't think that's a, necessarily a problem here. We don't want to make a public display of what we share. And we want to make an attempt to conceal identity, rather. Uh, I think that's appropriate. And that to make a public display would distract or destroy the fellowship dimension of what the offering ought to be. Uh, but remember, that's, that's the beauty of, of sharing together. It don't matter the amount, it's a matter of how we have shared Remember, it's, it's the purpose in sharing. It's, it's, it's the charity, it's the love, and it's the cause that it's going for. And we're doing that collectively together. And God can take, whether it's a quarter, whether it's $250 or $2,500, God can take that and combine it together and make it a gift in His name for His glory. I know Sam Yoder used to often say, in, in regards to that Matthew account there, he said it was, it was not so much the, uh, how does that say, uh, the left hand, uh, the right hand, knowing what the left hand didn't give. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, uh, that is thought of often remembered as I read through those verses. You know, it's, uh, we need to be uh, open before the Lord and uh, in our sharing. Looking at, uh, just going back to the account there in Mark, there's another truth that I want to lift out of that, and I believe it's scriptural to share perhaps even when we have needs. Uh, in uh, Mark chapter 12, again, we see that uh, widow, it says, Jesus said, she shared, uh, she of her want did cast in. She shared in her want. Uh, I'm not sure how, what the, I didn't really look at that, I'm just thinking about that as I'm sharing here this morning, what the NI or what the original Greek would have there, uh, did she, what were her needs? What were her wants? You know, today we talk about wants and it's something that's secondary. It's not necessary. But I think in this setting here that Jesus is talking is that there was a, there was a genuine need in this widow's life. And yet she continued to share. Yet she shared. I believe it's scriptural to share even when we have needs. I want to say that cautiously. But uh, I believe we always... Uh, can share. And I want to realize this morning there are other ways to share than a monetary way. Uh, there's, there's those who have given time. There's those who have given of their talents in, in various ways that are not, you can't put them in the offering envelopes. You can't put them in the offering basket. And again, that's, that's a way of contributing too. Uh, while we're focusing primarily on the, the collection or the offering here this morning, Again, we could, we could speculate long why this widow did this. I don't think she... I believe her motives were pure. If they weren't pure, God, Christ, wouldn't have lifted her out as an example. Uh, and we could speculate long and hard as, you know, what maybe her needs were, why she did it. But I believe it was out of a heart of love that she shared what she had. 
Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to read the entire chapter. Again, Paul here talking about the liberality of the Macedonian church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and behold their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship. Notice that word fellowship again? I just never noticed that before, I don't think. The fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped or expected, but first gave their own selves. That's important, I think. First gave their own selves. You know, it doesn't matter maybe... Yeah, I, I want to say that carefully. Here I go. It, it matters what you share. But you need to, first of all, give your own selves, verse 5, to the Lord and, and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also, talking about their giving. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, notice this verse, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be a first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality, that now at the, this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little hath no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own, according, his own accord, he went unto you. And ye have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who, all, who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men, talking about accountability, accountability before God, accountability before men. And we have sent with him our brother, whom we have oft times proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of. They are the messengers of the church and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye to them, and before the church is the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. A number of things I just want to pick out of that chapter. And I already mentioned in verse 4 the idea of fellowshipping again. 
Uh, verse 5 talks about the idea of first giving ourselves. That's important. We need to first give ourselves. That's what God wants. And then it'll be a person, God will be a personal God. It won't be a question. God will be indeed a personal God. It would appear as if in there in verse 5 that, that they gave more and beyond what Paul had expected, I believe. Uh, and I think that's a challenge. Verse 9, again, is the idea of Christ, for ye know... You know, there's that John 3.16. We have that golden text, but it's the golden standard of giving. For God so loved the world that He gave. Can any of us even measure or come close to that in any of our giving, any of our sharing... The, the most we can give is ourselves, and that's what he's talking about there in verse 5, that we give ourselves. That's, that's the most and the closest we can give. Verses 14 and 15 talk about the idea of equality, and, and that could be a sermon probably in itself, and I, I don't know that I fully can understand. Where does, how, do, how do you have a equality? And I think Paul is referring back to the gathering of manna there perhaps, uh, there, you know, those that gathered much and those that didn't gather enough, you know, they shared together. Um, they had enough. But uh, what is brotherhood equality? Uh, again, our human nature tends to look at the numbers, and we tend to look at the dollars and cents, and we tend to look at the, the peripheral things, the, the tangible things that you can see and get around. And that's, God clearly doesn't measure things that way. He doesn't. Uh, God looks at the heart. We know that. That's a truth of, of the gospel. And uh, so, it, you know, those things are all secondary. It doesn't matter whether you've got a half-acre lot, whether you've got a, a quarter section, or whether you've got a couple of sections. You know, it's, it's, it all belongs to the Lord. And he, if you have given yourself to Him, and you can use that, whether it's a half-acre or quarter section or several sections, or a business of whatever size, you can use that to serve the Lord. It's His. Uh, if God has blessed you in, in that way. Equality. What is brotherhood equality? I, and I'm going to just let that drop because I, I'm not... Again, we're equal in Christ. Uh, men, women, we have the same access, different roles. And, and maybe I can just explain it this way. We may, as men, we may have different roles to play. Uh but yet we are one in Christ. And that doesn't make one or, or another of us above another. But again, our carnal nature seems to sometimes uh, look at people and we say, well, that because of what he's, his possessions are, that places him there or there. And we need to be careful about that. Turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just a few verses. Um, I'd like to read verses 6 through 15. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always have all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything, to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also 
by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this administration, by this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Should the law of sowing, as I read through those verses, I, I, the question I asked, should the law of sowing and reaping be the, motive, the sole motivation in our giving? And I think the obvious answer to that is no. I don't think it should be. I want to qualify that because if you're looking only in this life for the blessing, there is blessing in sharing. There is blessing in giving. But uh, there's a blessing that's going to be, I believe, that I believe will be experienced beyond this life in sharing in the work of the Lord. And if you're looking for the reaping only in this life, you'll, you may likely be disappointed. May likely be disappointed. Uh, consider, as we think about riches, there's a number of th- scriptures that talk about riches. Ecclesiastes chapter, it's going back to the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 13 There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their own hurt. How much plainer can we get it? There's a sore evil. This is Solomon, likely writing this. I want to clarify that. There's a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their own hurt. How much better if God blesses you to share and channel those gifts through his work, through his kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking. Verses 19 and 20. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Again, these are just some principal truths that we want to keep in mind as we think of of the uh, idea of, of sharing and, and sowing and reaping. Uh, do we share bountifully? Do we give? Do we give willingly and cheerfully as we see here in the scripture? First Timothy chapter uh, 6, verses uh, 9 and 10. First Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Um, again, I believe our wealth, our riches is are tangible. They're neutral. It's, it's how we relate to them. Riches, very clearly, I think will only compound a problem if we have not learned to give in the small things in life. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, talks about freely giving. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, talks about cheerfully giving. Well, in conclusion, I want to just remind you of some of my goals as I sat and meditated on my responsibilities as a church treasurer. You know, my, my goal is to look beyond the numbers that are shared, but to look at the hearts and hands that have shared the gift. And uh, I want to be accountable to you. Um, 
I want to be an example of trust and honesty and integrity. Uh, I believe together we can be builders of God's kingdom as we continue to share in the collection of the fellowship of the saints. And again, it's to the glory and the honor of God for his name's sake.